So this leads perfectly into what we get to talk about as we continue this sermon series on why we matter. Uh, we started off by saying that we matter <clears throat> because of who God is and who God has made us to be. And that same theme continues as we kind of just take a little bit of shift as we start to look at this idea that God is a producer. A God likes to produce. And if you pull out your, your bulletin, you can see that at the very top. Today we have already heard about how God produces. God produces his love and he uh, shares that love with Isaiah. He gives Isaiah cleanliness. He, he forgives him and he puts that hot coal on his lips and he says, you are clean. And then he says, I'm going to use you. Who can I send? And Isaiah says, send me. I'm ready to be used for your kingdom. And so our God is one who loves to produce. He loves to produce forgiveness. He loves to produce faith. And he loves to do this again and again. And he loves to multiply it through people. And so he sends Isaiah. We heard uh, in Luke chapter 5 how God called his disciples and God uh, shared his love with them, and God chose them, and then God what? He sent them out to use them. See, this is what we know about our, our God, is that he produces. And this is part of his character. It is embedded in who he is, because all we have to do is go all the way back to Genesis. And he spoke and what? It came into being, and God produced the heavens, and he produced the earth, he produced the plants, he produced the animals, and he produced life. And it wasn't just life that was meager and just getting by, but it was abundant. And he gave uh, to Adam this responsibility to care and till the garden, to work, because God loves to produce. We see that God loves to produce his love through people. We see that he chose the Israelites, not because of anything they've done, because of who and what he wants to do through them. And the world flew into chaos and God said, no, I want to keep producing and I want to produce forgiveness in a tangible, real way. And I want, to, I want to give that away. And so he sends his son and he sends his son to come and to what? to redeem us, to forgive us. And then he, he, through the waters of baptism, now attaches that forgiveness to us and sends us out to what? To go be forgivers. To produce what? Mercy. To give away the forgiveness that's first given to us. And so as we head into this conversation that is actually built around 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and, and works with the idea of how we are managers and stewards of God's resources. Just as we began this sermon series weeks ago, why we matter, it all begins as a stable foundation before any of the conversation we have here. It starts here at the four feet of this ladder of a foundation of solid ground I would say it this way, that our God is stable. He's secure. 
Uh, how many of you have ever gone outside, <clears throat> maybe after a rain, and you had to do something with a ladder, whether it was an extension ladder, an A-frame ladder, but the ground started to sink? And then you like take a step and they go, you know, you step up like this and then it sinks this way and you're like, oh my goodness. And of course you were not smart and you were doing this on your own without anybody watching you. Anybody been there like me? Yeah. See, unstable ground. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a God who is stable, who's secure, uh, who's got four points, uh, who's going to keep us safe who's looking out for our best interests. And so when we take those steps and we start to experience uncomfortableness and we start to experience fear, may I remind you from the very get-go, our God is a God who is stable. Our God is a God who loves to produce. And our God is, loves to do it through his creation. And so with those thoughts in mind, I want to thank you and I want to Thank each and every one of you who has, not only with your, your talents and your prayers, but have continued to give to the mission of Jesus here at Resurrection. God is, has, and God is continuing to do tremendous, tremendous things. Thank you. Because as we talked about this fall, that we together can do far more than we ever could alone. And more importantly, we can do far more together for the kingdom as we continue to partner together, as we continue to take what God has given to us and collectively go impact these children in Belize, to go impact uh, people throughout the world as we bring mobility uh, to those who are in the greatest of need, those who are pushed to the margins of society, you resurrection, we go and we say, no, God loves you and God has dignity for you and you have dignity in yourself and God's going to produce something great through you. Your society might push you on the margins, but Jesus is the one who lifts you up and says, you have something to contribute and we love you. And more importantly, way more importantly than that, is your creator, God. And his son, Jesus, loves you. And we do that as we do it even locally, as we come together and we partner. We do it as we care for our, our children or as a hundred plus of us continue to study scripture together and refine one another through God's word. Together we can do so much more built on the foundation of what Jesus himself has already done. So as we kind of begin this whole conversation, hold this hold on to this, that our God is stable. And our God is a giver who loves to produce. God is a giver. He produces. This is exactly who he is. And this giving starts and ultimately ends all with faith, with his love. For God so loved a world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not, what, perish, but have, what, life everlasting everlasting life you even think about this 
that God is the one who produces faith. Sometimes we start to think that we have some participation in this, and I think it's good to remember what Luther said in the small catechism. He says this, I cannot, I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in my Savior or come to him. But it is the Holy Spirit that has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctifies and keeps me in the one true faith. Because if it was left to me, I'd, <laughs> I'd wander like a sheep. Oh, but thanks be to God, we got a good shepherd who comes after us and brings us back into the fold. God loves to produce. If you would, I want you to pull out your Bibles and I want to share with you a passage we were looking at earlier this week uh, as a staff. Deuteronomy chapter 7. You can pull out uh, the Bible you brought with you. Or you can use that one in front of you. If you're using that one, it's page 152. I want to remind us, more importantly, I want God to remind us of who he is and, and who we are. Because this really is the foundation for why we matter. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6. Let's read verse 6 together. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all the peoples, but it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery. Let's stop there. I hear a lot of God loves you, God chose you, and has nothing to do with you, but you get all the gifts. For you are a what? Treasured possession. Or as we said earlier, right, that we were bought with the price of Christ's blood on the cross. Nothing of our own. All of this of why we matter is because God loves to give. God loves to give his love. This is the foundation of who he is at the very core of who he is. And so that's what we're about. If that's who God is, right, one who loves to give and one who loves producing faith, then we want to partner with him in that. I mean, it's exactly what God calls us to do, right? To be ambassadors, right, of this message of what God's given. And so one of the things that we value here is that we would join together with other churches in proclaiming that news. And as you, many of you know, right, we're starting a new church. It's called Church Planting. And Pastor Mark and Laura uh, have been here, right, many times. And some of you guys are going to those vision gatherings. 
And other weeks when they're not here, they're going to these different churches and sharing this great message that, you know what, God is doing great things in a city that's going to increase by 4 million people in the next 20 years. You couldn't have enough of these churches. But the question does come up, right? Why plant churches? Why start new churches? I would say because God's a giver and he's a producer. And guess what? He wants to produce what? More of his people. So one of the churches that they went to most recently asked them to create a video around this idea of answering the question, why plant new churches? And I thought they did a really great job. And so I wanted to share that with you, if we can play that. Hello, Resurrection, Christ the King, the dwelling and joy. Greetings from our box-strewn living room as uh, we're getting ready to depart on our last day as San Antonians. the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all nations. And overwhelmingly, the research right now tells us that new churches reach new people. As we drive around our mission focus area, we see a whole lot of rooftops and not a lot of steeples. In fact, if every church in the focus area was filled to capacity every time they offered a service, about 10,000 people could have a seat. Right now, there are 58,000 people living in our area, and it's projected to grow by another 12% in the next five years. The need for new churches is great, and we would love to see those people who are disconnected from Jesus and his church become disciples. We would love to see new churches started in our mission focus area and uh, around the United States. And we'd love to see established churches working with new churches to accomplish more kingdom growth than either could do on their own. This church is being planted using a residency model. That means that Mark and I are getting to know folks who are in the local congregations, and then we're going to train those individuals who would like to become a part of our launch team to be local missionaries. And then, at the end of 2019 and early 2020, we will launch community groups and public worship. We'd love for you to consider partnering with us. And a lot of times when people hear that phrase, they automatically think about a financial partnership. And if that's where the Lord is leading you, then we'd love to have that conversation. And what we'd love even more would be for you to partner with us through prayer. Would you be praying for the people living in our mission focus area, those that work here, that God would be preparing their hearts to be drawn closer to him and that we would have opened eyes to see what he's already been doing in this community. If you have a, a connection who lives or works in the area, we'd love to know that so we can connect with them and get to know them better and inquire about whether God is calling us to walk together for a time. And finally, we'd love to see new starts reaching new people not just here in North Houston, but across Texas and across the United States. If you're interested in any of those things, 
please get in touch. We'd love to have more conversations with you and see how the Lord might be working in and through that partnership. I love the, uh, some of the last words you saw printed there, resurrected people. And you sit there and go, wait, I'm not resurrected yet. And the answer is, well, actually, actually you are. Because <laughs> you've got new birth, brothers and sisters, because our God is a God who produces faith, a God who loves, a God who uh, loves to be abundant and extravagant and lavish and, and sharing his love and forgiveness. And so uh, you are a resurrected person because God has labeled you that, God has given you that, and God has created that for you and now sent you out to live with joy and abundance and greatness for his namesake. And yet there, there are times that uh, we struggle with that. Let me just, let me pause there. At times I struggle with that. I struggle with the fact of how are we going to make ends meet, if we can just speak financially for a moment. How, how is this in this, how is that gap going to be filled? And anxiety and, and fear, they start to creep in. And so what I want to do today is remind you of who God is. It's a God who produces. And he's a God who gives. And he's a stable God. I think you've heard me say that maybe four or five times. Why do you think I might be repeating myself? over and over again because we need to hear it because as this series goes on i promise you oh your anxiety is going to go like this you know you feel that when you start to feel it creep up from the stomach up in the esophagus right you're, you're going to feel that but see it all begins here of who he is and what he wants to do He's stable, and he produces, and he gives. Pastor Steve, actually, Piggy Joe alluded to this passage. If you're in still Deuteronomy 7, I'm going to read Deuteronomy 8. Just a, a short word there. Piggy Joe knows her scriptures very well. Verse 17 Beware lest you say in your heart, My power and my might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is what he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. I don't know about you, but uh, I struggle with giving it all over to God. That could be my kids. That could be a situation or a relationship. It could be finances, like we're maybe most specifically talking about. Henry Nouwen, uh, a Christian, uh, wrote uh, this devotional, and I've adapted it because I think it gets to the, starts to get to the heart of some of our anguish or some of our struggle. And so if you'd indulge me for just two minutes... Against my own best intentions, I find myself continually striving to acquire. When I give advice, 
I want to know whether it is being followed. When I offer help, I want to be thanked. When I spend money, I want the product's quality to be experienced. When I spend time investing, like in parenting, I want to see positive fruit lived out. When I give money, I want it to be used my way. When I do something good, I want to be remembered. I might not get a statue or even a memorial plaque, but I am constantly concerned that I not be forgotten. That somehow I will live on in the thoughts and the deeds of others. Anybody relate? I'm on an island on my own. That's all right. I can handle it. I can handle it. Now one takes a turn and alludes to the prodigal son and the prodigal father. Not the prodigal father, the loving father, right? In the book of Luke, he says this. This, however, is in contrast to the father of the prodigal son. The father is not concerned about himself. His long-suffering life has emptied him of his desires to keep in control of things. His children are made in his image. They are his creation, and he wants to give himself completely. And for them, he wants to pour out all of himself. Can I give without wanting anything in return? Can I love without putting any conditions on my love? Considering my immense need for human recognition, acquisition, and affection, I realize that it will be a lifelong struggle. But I am also convinced that each time I step over this need and act free of my concern for return, I can trust that my life can truly bear fruit of God's Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but... I love it because of its honesty and its authenticity that when, when we say, or I say, I want to be a producer like God, right? I want to follow in the image after God that I struggle with acquisition of all different sorts, shapes, and sizes, and types. But we have a God, my brothers. We have a God, my sisters, that who loves us, who has washed us clean, who is stable and gives forgiveness, who, who casts out fear and puts in faith, one who casts away uh, uh, sadness and one who brings happiness and joy and says, I give you life and life abundantly. And so as we walk in to this series over the next several weeks about how God is calling us to live in who he is. God's a producer. He wants us to be a producer. Just as God has loved us as children who are strayed, so we go to Belize and care for children who are abandoned. Just as God has called us here uh, to be resurrected people here at Resurrection, we too don't just want to keep that for ourselves, but we want to multiply those type of missionaries, those type of disciples, so that others in our local community, our neighbors and our co-workers might know the love of Jesus Christ. That's what we're about. 
when a, a child is born and a child is brought to the waters of baptism, that we might continue to grow and, and support those parents and, and as godparents or as great-grandparents or as a brother or sister next to one another who's struggling, that we'd come along and produce faith, hope, and love. Maybe not produce it, let me rephrase that. God produces it and we get to carry it out. So... Here comes these words of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, which really are the basis of our whole series. It says this. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows, generous, sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you might abound in every good work. And so for some of you, when we talk about giving financially, maybe you've never done that. Or maybe you give occasionally and, and the rhythm of trying to become intentional and regular on some pattern is a challenge. I totally empathize with you completely because this is actually a place that every single one of us in this room has been. We've been there. I don't remember the first time that I gave to God's work. Financially, I mean, I mowed lawns, but I promise you, I kept all of it. I mean, I shared it. I may have been known to, you know, give loans to members in the family because I was more of a saver. They were, some of them were spenders. But God didn't get a piece of the pie. So I think for me, it probably was when I was first teaching. Sure don't think it happened in college, I'll tell you that. Because what? I see they're going, how am I going to make the bills? Are you kidding me? I have this many loans and uh, I can't do it. But here's the thing. I, I think I actually could do it. Because guess what? As an adult, I've been in the exact same scenario where I go, meow, meow. oh, they don't line up. But this is what I can tell you, and I'm not going to tell you the whole story. We can save that for another time, but I, I will summarize it as this. I thought there was, let me rephrase this. Rationally, there was no way things were going to fit. They weren't making. They weren't, trust me. But in faith, knowing that God is a giving God, that God is stable, we gave anyways. And guess what? God bountifully and abundantly provided in all sorts of ways. I share that because I know what that fear is like. I've, I've been there as an adult, as a working adult. So there's some empathy for sure. But what I know is we have a God who abundantly provides over and over again. So this is, this is my prayer, and, and we'll wrap up, is 
if God has called you, if God is calling you, right, to continue to be a part of what God's doing here, and that excites you, right? And, and that uh, builds something in you, and you're thankful for what God has given to you. God is reminding us that we have been given all things by him. They're all his. And so we give so that it might produce and be given and multiply to others. And sometimes it's this first rung or two that is the most challenging because we've gone from nothing, if you will, to something. And sometimes those are the greatest leaps of faith. And so you see it in your bulletin and you're going to see this ladder that I need to give one caveat and then I'll wrap up because this actually is the right time to give the caveat. There will be other things, as you see on these letters, that will be added. You must not raise your right hand and pledge after me. I will not. <laughs> oh, you're really going to do this. This is awesome. All right, good. I will not associate this with God's growing love for me. I will associate it with God's word that calls me to put greater faith in him. You hear me? This is not, oh, you get to run and you get closer to God and he loves you more. His love is completely for you. No strings attached. He loves you. Amen? All right. You're not going to earn God's, you know where I'm going, all right? But Satan and the enemy will start to weave it in a little bit. No. No, no, no. God's love, God's sacrifice is abundant and complete for you. What God says is, hey, man, I've given this to you. I just want you to walk in, in my image. And so let me close with this passage. You can write it down. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning at verse 7. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also, referring to giving finances, the wealth that God has given to us. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Knowing his love, let us pray. Father God, we praise you and we thank you for your stability in the midst of an unstable world. Father, we thank you for your love in choosing us, not on any accord of our own, but solely because of your generosity. Father, we thank you that you are the one who produces wealth and the ability for us to acquire wealth. And God, as we struggle with acquisition, God, may you uh, stretch us, may you open our hearts that we might not hold on tight to what you've given to us. Because as the tighter we hold, 
It's like sand that just slips out from underneath our grip. Instead, let us turn our hands upside down, open to heaven, willing to give so that others might continue to know, others might continue to learn, that others might experience the forgiveness, mercy, and grace that we have as your resurrected people. May it be so to his glory and other people's good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.